Welcome to Old Wall's House. It's me. It's your man. It's your main man. It's your host. It's Old Walls. I'm back for the 40th episode of Old Walls House. Old Walls House number 40. Did have one bonus episode? Yeah, number 40 here for you this week. Got a fun show coming your way. We got two brand new guests. We're going to be talking some hockey and the Philadelphia Flyers with T-Man and H-Man, the Gordon brothers, they're coming your way this week. So before we dive into that, let's do what we got to do. You know, we got to do that housekeeping, guys. If you could, please rate, review, comment, subscribe on Apple and, and Spotify or Google Podcasts. Wherever you listen, you know, do those ratings, do those reviews, make some comments, subscribe, all that good stuff. And share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with the guy walking down the street. Let people know about it. So as I said, fun show. We're talking some hockey. We got football to talk about, as always. We're not even talking about some baseball again. So let's uh, let's waste no more time and let's get right into it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk some hockey. And for our hockey conversation, we have two brand new guests. The Gordon Brothers, T-Man and H-Man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the Gordon Brothers. What's going on, Wally? Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, excited to have you guys here. Uh, looking forward to getting some people with some hockey knowledge on the show here. As has previously been stated, when it comes to hockey, I am an absolute moron. But I am a, uh, I am a fan of my Philadelphia Flyers, as I uh, jumped on that bandwagon last year. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a great bandwagon last year. So, I'm, you know, hopefully you guys got some good, uh, good feelings, good vibes for the coming season. Um, Preseason has not been kind to the Flyers. I don't know how much I'm supposed to lean into what happens in the preseason. So a one four and one record for the Flyers in the preseason. How are you guys feeling after the preseason and those results and what you've seen so far? Well, to be completely honest, I have never been um, less excited for the start of a hockey season. Part of it, I think, has to do with the rest of the Philly sports sports scene right now obviously the Phillies are you know looking like they could go on a little run Eagles 5-0 and not a big deal but you know like you said the the offseason was a disaster and it just continued I think into into the preseason um, very unproductive in the offseason some big names were thrown around with connections to the Flyers and it turned out that they got none of them um so, you know, the way I look at it is we're pretty much bringing in the same steaming pile of garbage as last year, minus Claude Giroux. I don't know about you, Hunter, but those are my, like, quick feelings just to kind of start us off. Yeah, I mean, the offseason, like Troy said, was not not a productive one at all. Basically, the most exciting thing that happened was the Flyers hired John Tortorella as their new head coach. Um, it the energy around the fan base, I feel like is at an all time low. Um, there was so much promise being talked about um, at the start of last season, um, which boiled into the first couple of weeks, you know, Flyers got off to a hot start last year and then uh, quickly uh, turned things upside down, became one of the worst teams in the league. And basically that, you know, that kind of feeling has been continued up until the start of this season. Um, 
and the fan base is the morale is at an all-time low. Um, yeah, so that, that's pretty much where we're at. So good vibes, good vibes to start <laughs> us off. Uh, nothing like positivity. Yeah, I, I did notice that going through the offseason that it, it, every time I saw any sort of hockey free agency or trade news, nothing ever linked to the Flyers. So literally zero additions, new additions to this team, correct? Well, I guess, you know, there there is a guy who brings in some level of excitement. Uh, that's Tony D'Angelo. He's bounced around the league a little bit. He showed some promise, came with some controversial things. We don't need to get into that. But he did show that he can play last year when he was with Carolina. For whatever reason, they chose not to resign him. And I think the Flyers got him on a relatively friendly deal where he's not costing too much, does have some upside. You know, he's a Philly kid, grew up a Flyers fan, always wanted to play for the Flyers. So it's a good story. I think if he can come out and do some positive things first couple weeks of the season, I think the fan base can get behind a guy like that. But, you know, he's really, really the only real addition. I guess you can count Nick DeLaurier, who if you look at some advanced stats and things, he quite possibly may be the worst offensive player in the league. He brings a tough brand of hockey, which Philly fans will love, but this team, this team needs people to score goals. They scored eight goals in the preseason and you know, you you can't win without scoring goals. And especially they have a question mark in, in net, which I know Hunter was going to go into a little bit, but you know, it seems like every year, um, you know, we thought Carter Hart was going to be the guy and he's yet to make it through a season, you know, without getting injured. So, you know, that's another question mark heading into the year. Yeah. I said the Carter Hart thing, I, it, you know, as my first year last year as a flyer fan, it was a lot of like, this guy's got a lot of promise. Maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year. And the, my feelings are, is that we're just keeping going down that path. We're like, Ooh, maybe this is going to be his year. How much longer of this uh, this experiment do you think that the Flyers are going to go on with Carter Hart? He's shown a lot of promise. And if you look at the past decade of the Philadelphia Flyers, it's always been a goaltending issue. They've always had some pretty strong teams um, the making the playoffs. But the issue always seemed to stem from goaltending. Um, they get their guy in Carter Hart, but they put nothing in front of him. And I think that's kind of what, you know, what's happened here. Carter has had some really, you know, good games. He's shown a lot of promise, but he seems to have no support in front of him, which you, you can't just rely on a goaltender to, to pull you through a, a season and win a championship. It's a big piece. And I think, I think Carter Hart can be that good goalie, but obviously you need to build in front of him. And the Flyers have failed to do that. I, I think the most, probably the most egregious mistake that, this organization has done and it's kind of gotten thrown to the back burner like we said because they did miss out on these big names in the offseason is not securing a backup goaltender Mm. so uh the flyers just cut the other day troy grossnick or or however you say his last name i think he has like five nhl games and looking at felix sandstrom i think being the backup which he has little to no nhl experience too so you're basically putting all your chips on Carter Hart to play 65 games. And if he doesn't, it's going to be even more of a disaster than it's lining up to be without even 
you know, without having a goaltender back there, if Carter Hart does go down or is not able to play, you know, 60 to 65 games, it's going to, it's going to be, I think bad, <laughs> very bad. Yeah. And just kind of picking up on that, the past couple of seasons, the Flyers had Brian Elliott and Martin Jones um, in the, in the net for the backup position. Uh, both guys added a veteran presence and could kind of give some reassurance to Carter Hart. And without those guys there, who knows how how stable Carter Hart's going to be. So it's either going to be kind of a, a birth through fire or he's going to fall apart is how I'm reading this. Pretty much. So here's a name that was popping up a little last year. I believe they had kind of brought him up from the minors. And I think he's going uh, full-fledged regular roster this year. Morgan Frost, it, what, what's going on with him this year? Yeah, so as we record this on Monday, I believe there's an off day tomorrow at practice, and then they'll practice on Wednesday. First game is on Thursday night. So today, Morgan Frost was the second-line center in practice. Um, I, you know, he comes as a somewhat highly touted prospect, has showed some promise, but, you know, if you look up and down the lineup of other teams in the league, Morgan Frost is not a second line center probably on any other team, but the flyers at this point, you know, he's going to get a chance because of injuries, especially the one to Sean Couturier, which is very concerning uh, being that, you know, he's 30 years old. He has a ton of miles on him, you know, been in the league for 12 years, back injuries. You never really know what's going on. So, you know, that's concerning in itself, but to have someone like Morgan Frost, who is not an established NHLer. If he was going to be a superstar, you would have seen that already. And to see him on your second line as a center, you know, he's a little undersized. It's, you know, a little concerning. Hopefully he can, you know, turn some heads and and turn it on this year. But, you know, I'm not sold on really anything, anything Morgan Frost at this point. Um, Yeah, that's just me. I don't don't know about you, Hunter. Yeah, he's a pretty small guy. I think 5'10", 5'11", 175, soaking wet. Yeah. Uh, he he has flashes of brilliance, um, but in this league, at some positions you do need to be that bigger, more physical guy. And and like Troy said, for him to be on the second line center, it kind of shows how really weak the Flyers are at the center position. And he he has deal, dealt with some injury uh, problems of his own. I think he separated his shoulder or dislocated his shoulder, something along those lines. Uh, last season missed some time uh, so he hasn't really who know who knows at this point really with Morgan Frost okay so as we're talking kind of centers is what what's the Kevin Hayes' status he's been kind of in and off the injury injury list the last year or so too where where where's he stand right he's on he's on that top line I think as of as of right now he did have like you said injury problems he had a, abdominal surgery I think something that's back as well but you know, with as young as he is, that's kind of concerning. Flyers are dealing with a myriad of injuries. You know, you said Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis, who played a whopping four games. He was supposed to be a staple on the Flyers' blue line for years to come. He might never play again. His career could be over. Farabee had off-season surgery for his back or neck. Couturier's got a herniated disc. He required surgery. Hayes has already had surgery. And these are some big young guys. Um should be star players on, on, on their respective teams and rosters, but dealing with injuries and who knows what their status is, is going to be uh, coming into the year. 
And I love, I love watching Kevin Hayes. I think he's a great player. He plays kind of the way a centerman should in this league. But again, if you look at other teams, so, you know, I know we texted a little bit back and forth last year in the Stanley cup final. And after watching the flyers all year, we were like, Holy (laughs) shit, look at this. This is like real hockey. These teams are out there flying. Kevin Hayes on a good team is a third line center. And, and, and the Flyers right now are asking him to play top line minutes. And that's just unfortunately not who he is. And it just shows even further the lack of just really anyone on this team, um, you know, that Kevin Hayes is on your first line. And and with that, like I said, I, I really do love the guy. I think he brings a lot of good things to a team, but he is he is not a first line center. That That's for sure. And with that, he's probably going to be playing top power play minutes too. And I, like Troy said, he's not a, not a first-line center, might not even be a second-line center. And so for him to be getting those top minutes, it's kind of concerning for the team. Good, good. More good things. More good things you guys are filling us with. Um, so we only go up from here. We, uh, we, you talked a lot about, like, not putting anybody in front of Carter Hart to kind of protect him. Where does it fall that the team doesn't score – doesn't put pressure on offensively isn't getting those kind of, you know, those, those stretches where they're controlling the puck in the offensive end and putting multiple shots in where does that play in? And is, is it something that like a good effect, good offense is the best defense. So it's like something like that playing in hockey or I, cause it seems like if you're just always on defense, eventually like they're going to score. And if you can play offense more and keep them on their toes, like that's the best way to have a solid defense or am I just, yeah, you know, creating something on my ass. Yeah, so I mean, Hunter mentioned it before. I think the one thing the Flyers do have going for them is, you know, brought in the new coach in John Tortorella. He plays a structured style. He's, you know, pushes his players to work, you know, as hard as they possibly can, and he doesn't put up with you know lackadaisical play, which is an issue if you just kind of casually watch a game. You're just like, what the hell are these guys doing out there? So I think that's one thing they have going for them is, you know, being able to play that more structured style of hockey in the defensive zone where you have better coverages, where you're focusing on, you know, playing a little bit better defense in your own zone. So Carter Hart could benefit from that. I just don't know if they have the correct people in place. I mean, you run through this defense, you know, Ivan Provorov, Tony D'Angelo, possibly top line defenseman. Then you have Travis Sanheim and Rasmus Ristolainen, who, you know, people have their varying opinions about him. And then your third pair right now is looking like Nick Sealer and Justin Braun, a guy who they traded away at the trade deadline and for some reason brought him back. He's a serviceable defenseman, but there's a reason why he's back on the Flyers right now. And (laughs) I, I, I just don't know how much you're going to be able to get out of that defensive core but the one positive you have is you have a good coach who you know might be able to you know make chicken salad out of chicken shit I guess but yeah and I like Troy said brought in Justin Braun again uh, on a one-year pity deal basically they traded him to the New York Rangers in the hopes that maybe might be his last season to win a Stanley Cup uh, comes crawling back to the Flyers. Flyers toss him a million dollars. Basically, what I think is to provide some sort of veteran leadership for the team. Uh, you look up and down the lineup, and some of these guys, after the trading of Claude Giroux, your captain, 
for almost a de- or for over a decade and say, you know, who, who are the Flyers going to tap to be their next leader on this team? Um, I think that's the primary reason why they brought Braun, brought Braun back uh, is to provide some sort of leadership on the blue line, um, kind of control some of these young guys on the team. Um, and they certainly aren't going to get any type of leadership from uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, that guy can can take a hike as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, there's not much age on the defense in the defense lines. You know, you get rid of Ryan Ellis and everybody is like 29 and under. So, yeah, Justin Braun, you know, outside of Justin Braun, obviously, who's 34 turning 35 this year. Uh, pretty young unit as you're as I'm just looking at the uh, the roster here offensively you know last year you got some scoring out of uh van reamsdyke cam atkinson and then you know claude Giroux, who's gone where i mean outside where is it coming from from this year i mean I'm gonna actually you know have to lean on atkinson and van reamsdyke again but who else can pick up some goals uh for the flyers yeah they're definitely gonna have to lean on their younger guys um they're hoping that morgan frost wade allison Guys like that, you know, finally can can step up and and make some plays. And Joel Farabee, he's going to be a big name throughout the entire year. He's shown he's shown that he can be that top end player. Uh, it's just a consistency problem that they're going to have to work with. But I'm not too high on James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, he played in all of 82 games last year and scored a whopping 38 points. Uh, I I don't think he's worth the seven million dollars that he's been paid. And I thank. Thankfully, he's on his last year of his deal and he can get the hell out of Philly and make, you know, two and a half million dollars, you know, someplace else. Yeah, I mean, I think on a good team, JVR is more productive. But like, again, on on the roster that we have for the Flyers right now, he is kind of asked to do too much. He's put in situations where he can't succeed and he, he just can't like feed off of other people, which he needs to be successful at. Um Someone that I'm looking to to hopefully have a much better season and get back to the way he was playing a couple years ago is Travis, Travis. Konechny. Again, he's taken a couple steps backwards, maybe maybe with torts to light a fire under his ass. Um, but then again, I could see him getting moved as well if he if he has a good first couple months and then the Flyers are as bad as we think they're going to be. <laughs> that's a that's a guy who I, I think could get possibly moved. His name's been out there in some rumors anyway. Um, but I, 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 I've always liked TK, but might be time for a change of scenery for a guy like that if he can bounce back. So, you know, to be determined, I guess, when it comes to that, too. Yeah, Konechny's yeah so he's just he's looking got- at the stats from last year, um, Konechny, points leader, but had a minus 23 plus minus, which is – I can only imagine is fantastic. Uh, the worst uh, – the only two people worse than him with the plus minus – stat was Van Riemsdyk at minus 33 and then my favorite player last year Keith Yandel I don't know what it was about that guy but I could not stand him he had a minus 47 plus minus so good stuff good stuff out of him uh the best plus minus out of anybody that played a serious amounts of game was Cam Atkinson who was minus two so great stuff there I mean is this team going to go as Cam Atkinson goes? I mean, that's the way I see it. Like, again, as someone who doesn't know jack shit about hockey, and just as I watch the game, it's like, oh, if Cam Atkinson scores a goal or two in a game, it, it like, gets the team going, and, like, it's the only way they're really getting goals. 
Yeah, I mean, he he's definitely going to be relied upon to be, you know, the centerpiece of the goal scoring scene on the team. Again, he missed practice today. He didn't he hasn't played in a preseason game. It you know, I was reading up on some, you know, Philly newspaper articles and things today and I think there's some questions swirling about, you know, what's going on with this guy. He didn't didn't practice like I said today. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday is a is an off day. They think he'll be ready for Thursday, but you know who the hell knows. So, yeah. And this is a guy who played under John Tortorella previously in Columbus, uh, so he's got a good connection with the coach. Um, hopefully, they can click, but he's going to be relied upon heavily, and he could be that thirty goal scorer that the Flyers need. Um, it's just a matter of making sure he has the support that he needs. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's uh, let's get to kind of the prediction part of our segment here. What do you got for a prediction for the Flyers for this upcoming year? Well, I mean, you don't ton further than the odds markets. You know, so I just pulled up pulled up my app right now. The Flyers are plus twenty thousand to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, good, good, yeah, good value. So second worst odds only to the Chicago Blackhawks and Arizona Coyotes, who are plus one hundred thousand. Did the did the Coyotes even have a place to play this year? They're playing in uh, Arizona State. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think their stadium holds like, seven thousand, yeah, seven or eight thousand people. <laughs> so that you know that's going to be interesting to to watch that unfold. But you know I. I I think I have the Flyers about the same pace as last year. Um, you know, I I have them coming in at 25, 49, and 8, which would be 58 points, and I think they are third from last in the league. Going to get a chance to have that magic lottery ball, you know, drop for them. You know, highly touted, you know, number one prospect this year in Connor Bedard. He's been compared to, you know, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, a – Connor McDavid, a generational type talent, but I don't think the Flyers are quite bad enough to get him. Chicago is going to be extremely bad and Arizona is going to be extremely bad, but you know, Flyers aren't, aren't winning much. I don't think this year. So anytime they lose, you know, I I don't root against the Flyers. I don't like to bet against the Flyers, even though it can be profitable, I think. Um, but any any loss for the Flyers this year is going to be a quiet win in my mind. Okay, so we're not going to cry over spilt milk when the losses come. Noted. Yeah, I definitely don't see them eclipsing you know sixty five points this season. Uh, they're they're just they, they're not solid enough, and it's it shows on paper. It's going to show watching them play. It's it's a no brainer. Um, their only hope is to hopefully get another high draft pick this year. And, and hopefully the GM is smart enough to, to pick someone that can provide some sort of spark for this organization. Uh, it's, it's going to be a, a long, long season. Last season sucked. I thought it was, you know, one of the worst, you know, ever since I've been a fan. Um, but this could, this could top that and be worse. Okay, good, good, good. The good vibes continue. Um, a lot of good things I'm hearing. Uh, okay, let's let's maybe talk about some of some positivity. What do we think about the uh, the rest of the NHL? Any teams to watch? People you really got your sights set in on? Who do you think's gonna you know be 
uh, hoist in the Stanley Cup at the end of the year. Yeah, so I look over at Hunter's H-Man's notes here, and I think we agree on the you know, the New York Rangers coming out of the East. I think the New York Rangers are going to be extremely good this year. You look up and down that lineup, they have guys that, you know, they showed some real promise last year. Uh, they're, they're a team that went through a rebuild, you know, four or five years ago. They sucked for a while. They told their fans they were going to suck for a while, but they said, stick with us and we're going to do this thing right. And now I think they're really trending upward as, as much as it pains me. You know, hate the Rangers, but, you know, I think they're going to be good this year. You look at Kreider, Zabenejad, Panarin. Uh, Adam Fox and Truba on the back end. And then you have Shesterkin in the net. And that guy is, that guy is money. And if he can keep it up in between the pipes, I, I think the Rangers do some damage this year. And yeah, they, I, I think the Rangers get it done for the first time since the early nineties. I think when they last won with, um, Messier. with Messier and, and, and that whole guarantee thing but I, I think the rangers get it done this year as, as hard as it's going to be to watch um yeah rangers are my pick to to come out of the east and then eventually win it yep i agree with troy rangers coming out of the east and aaron it's a benajad uh adam fox he won he won the norris trophy best defenseman in, in the league just his second year in the league uh, a few years ago uh they've got truba as well on the back end uh in front of shesterkin those two guys and along with Shesterkin are studs. So look for the Rangers to, uh, to have a good run this year. What about you? Do you, do you, do you have any picks? You know, I'm just looking at the odds here. I'm thinking back to my experiences of taking in my, you know, first season. I like the Carolina hurricanes out of the East, out of the West. I'm going with the Vegas Golden Knights and the hurricanes hoisting the trophy at the end of the year. Okay. So, yeah. Carolina's Carolina's solid too. I mean, they they play, you know, Rod Brindamar, form, former Flyer, traded him away. He won a Stanley Cup. That's kind of a theme for the Flyers. But um, yeah, with him behind the bench, he he really gets those those guys, you know, playing hard. And you know, they were a tough team last year. A lot of people had the Hurricanes pegged to be the champions there. So um, made a deep run. Yeah, I I, I I could see that going as well. As far as you know, sleepers go from the East. I think a good look would be the New York Islanders. They just paid Matt Barzal. He's been waiting for a new contract all summer. He finally got his money that he wanted. Look for him to have a big year. Uh, but that Islanders, they have they have a they have a core of players who have been there for a long time. Um, some of them are in their early to mid thirties. They have that chemistry. They've played as a group together for quite a long time, many many years. Um, you're looking at. Uh, a goaltending tandem of Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov, both pretty decent goalies. Not, you know, not a bad one-two punch to have. Uh, you've got Lee Bailey, Cal uh, Clutterbuck, Nelson, and uh, Adam Pellick. Those guys have played together for a long time. So maybe uh, they just missed the playoffs last year. Or they just snuck in. Um, look, look for that group to uh, to maybe make a quiet run. I'm seeing them at plus 700 to win their division. Maybe uh, maybe something to sprinkle there. Yeah, do the old sprinkle. <laughs> little sprinkle, little sprinkle. Well, gentlemen, I think that gets through most of my questions. Anything you guys would like to add on the Flyers, the NHL? You, you, you worked in a little Eagles talk. Anything you guys want to add before we uh, wrap this up here? 
I'm looking for Alex Ovechkin to score about a million goals this season. He's 114 away from breaking Gretzky's record. He's definitely going to get it uh, before his career is up. He's under contract until the end of the uh, 25-26 season. He's 37 years old but hasn't showed any signs of slowing down. Um, So that'll be fun to watch this year. He scored 50 goals last year. I think he can kind of put up similar numbers this year. Um, you know, that that's pretty much kind of what we're what we're looking to watch here. Yeah, good point. Alex Silvetrin is an absolute machine. Guy, all he does is score goals, and he doesn't give a shit what people think about him, how he does it. Um, I could see him, like Hunter said, breaking Wayne, Wayne Gretzky's record, which is pretty cool because – Outside of Ovechkin, I don't know if anyone could ever break his record just because playing in a different time period, but Ovechkin has found a way and he's, he's seriously in it. So, you know, that's something to watch and, you know, to, to see someone, you know, chasing history like that for, you know, a guy who, you know, in other sports, you know, there's some conversation about who the, the greatest of all time is, but for hockey, there's, you know, no debate it's Wayne Gretzky. So to see someone have a chance to break his record is pretty cool. So definitely a good thing to watch this year. And, you know, the, to wrap it up, I know we're not excited about the Flyers, um, but part of being part of being lifelong fans is suffering through them, <laughs> you know, through through the shitty times and might take a few more beers this year. But we're still going to watch games and uh, enjoy enjoy what we can out of it. You know, they're going to win some. So just uh, kind of prepare for a bumpy drunk ride, I think, this year. Yeah, we've been on plenty of those. All right. Before I let you guys go. Eagles Cowboys Sunday night line is minus five. Are your uh, are the Eagles gonna fly to victory, or is uh, Big D coming into Philly and taking them down? Well, has has Dallas made a made any type of uh, decision at QB? Is is Dak ready, or is it gonna be Cooper Rush? As of now, I I haven't heard any heard or seen anything. Cooper Rush, I think, will be leading them into battle. I think the Eagles' defensive line is is too strong. Uh, they're going to get after either Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott. Um, predicting an Eagles W, but that's that's coming from that's coming from my Eagles fan. So I'm obviously not going to root for the Cowboys or think they're going to win. So most importantly, you know, got the Phillies making a playoff run here. We got fortunate enough a couple weeks ago to get tickets to Game Three, heading down on Friday. Um, hopefully, you know, chance to, you know, take a series lead on the Braves come game three. So looking forward to some playoff baseball too. Uh, you will def I will definitely be rooting for the Phillies. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely rooting for the Phillies. Do not want to see the Braves win again. So let's go Phils. I believe, and I, I believe a listener of yours is, is a Cowboys fan and a Braves fan. Is that correct? That is correct. The one, the only, the famed coach. Jeff Slanovic is both a uh, both a Braves and Cowboys fan. You know, very interesting choice of teams. But yeah, you'll uh, you'll see if this week could prove uh, very well for you for bragging rights against him. Yeah, hope, hoping for a rough week for old, for old Jeffy. Yes, I hope so too. Two well, Troy, sweet. Hunter, T Man, H Man, I appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely have you back on maybe. Uh, I don't know if we need to do like monthly state of the flyers. It might only need to be a couple depending on how it's going, but I appreciate you guys taking some time and coming on with me. So thank you guys. Hey, thanks a lot. I don't think we can do monthly. I don't don't know if my, my brain could take that with this team, but definitely be back. (laughs) Agreed. Awesome. Well, thanks guys. All right. See you. 
in the NFL world this week. I don't have that much to add because I did not watch much of the games. As I'll talk about later, I was playing some golf all day. So I kind of caught some of the Packers game in the morning. Was watching it out on the course. We had uh, the Red Zone channel going and it on the speaker. But I didn't see much. So I really don't have much of, you know, a feel of what all happened. I know what happened in fantasy. We were all kind of incessantly checking our fantasy teams and seeing how that all was going. But other than that, I like I said, I don't have much. I saw some of the Packers game. I saw the first half. I saw the first half. They had made it to first half before. I think we just started when the first half was playing. And they're up 20 to 10. Looking good. I'm like, this is good. This is good. Well, turns out it wasn't good. Turns out, for the fourth time this year of five games, fourth time of five games, the Packers scored seven or less points. They didn't score any. The Giants took a safety at the end of the game on purpose. So the Packers did not score a point in the second half to lose the game 27-22. to They get the two points from the safety. That's an issue. That's an issue. I was a little miffed at the play calls on fourth down from down near the goal line. It's third and two. You throw. You throw on fourth and two. I, there's no way they're ever running on fourth and two. You get Aaron Rodgers. The ball is going in his hand. But you know you're going for it. And I know the clock's a factor. And again, I'm catching kind of the game in, in bits and pieces, especially in the second half. But you're... Best offensive weapon other than Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Jones. Give him a crack at one of those, maybe. I don't know. I just feel like you give him one chance. You give him the third and two. You're going forward on fourth. What's the most he loses? A couple yards, probably, at worst-case scenario, so it's fourth and four instead? You can. I mean, I don't think there's a huge difference between a two-yard round and a four-yard round. But again, I didn't see much of it, so I don't have a lot. I saw the first half look good. First time ever, there was a... Game in London with two teams with a winning record. So that was an interesting little stat. Now, I'm not panicking yet. But I'm I'm, I'm slightly worried. Slightly. Again, not panicking. Not panicking, but slightly worried. I, I know we're coming back to the Jets. But the Jets just hung 40. And now we're coming back from London and they're not. No off week. No bye week like it has been for a lot of teams in the previous years. Like it's happening. Like there's a real football game to be played Sunday. And again, I'm not panicking. Three and two. The Giants are four and one. But I'm not not panicking. Like it, it's it's it's. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it a little bit. When I talked with uh, the big cat Bill Gardner last week, we said you know three and one through this stretch. The one we were expecting was the Bills. We said two and two. We weren't going to panic. And there's two games that are very winnable coming up: the Jets, who the Packers are seven point favorites over, and then the Commanders in Washington, who the Packers should be. A substantial favorite as well. So again, not panicking. Not panicking yet. 
but I'm, I'm, I'm not not panicking. I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on panic. So I said, I didn't watch much football Sunday. I watched a half of football on Thursday night. Holy shit was that bad. And I don't even know that I watched the bad half. No touchdowns. No touchdowns at all in the game. 12 to 9, correct? If I'm not, I believe, right? That was the final? Yes, 12 to 9 in overtime. That isn't, I mean, that looks like, that could damn near be like a a baseball scoreboard. So the Broncos in the second half of that game, listen to these drives. First and 10 at the Indianapolis 9, blocked field goal. First and 10 at Indianapolis field uh, 27, field goal. First and 10 at Indianapolis 32, interception. First and 10 at Indianapolis 19, interception. First and 10 at Indianapolis 14, turnover on downs, three total points scored. Wild. I know it's come out that uh, Russell Wilson is nursing a shoulder injury. But man, can't be what the Broncos were hoping for. They're what two and three now. Haven't played a game. I mean, their defense has balled out for the most part. I mean, their defense has allowed 17, 9, 10, 32, and 9 points. Do that average. Do that math, whatever that is. But their defense is playing well. Big Rust hasn't. Broncos country. That's right. Also, he hit that at the end of the interview, like the post-game interview, in full pads. Right as he leaves, he goes, Broncos country. And then, like, as he's, what, let's ride. It's, like, tailing off in the mic. What? Fucking incredible. So great. Uh, Just looking around at at things, you know, Bills, they were on uh, red zone a lot. They scored 38 points. Jets were on there a lot. Uh, Saints and Seahawks, those guys were scoring some points. Good win for the Chargers over the Browns. I believe that was a uh, was that a late interception that Brissett, uh, jo- Jacoby Brissett threw, maybe? I don't know. Uh, good win for the 49ers. Again, I'm just kind of scoreboard looking here. I'm just kind of looking at the scoreboard here as I'm talking. You just see what, you know, what popped up. The Eagles, man. The Eagles pick up another win. I, I, they uh, Are they for real? Good win over the, the Cardinals aren't bad, man. I know they're two and three, but I don't think they're terrible. I mean, the Cardinals' losses are to the Rams and the Chiefs and the Eagles. Their wins, though, I mean, Raiders and the Panthers. Speaking of the Panthers, Matt Rule has been released from the team. He's been fired three years into his seven-year contract, eleven and twenty-seven. Uh, scuttlebutt is he's not going to be out of a job long. He'll find a job back in college pretty quickly. And that just may be where he needs to stay. Some people are just made for the college and some are made for the NFL. And that's just how it should be. Cowboys beat the Rams as well. Setting up a, uh, big, a big Sunday night game next week. Dallas heads to Philadelphia, the link. Other than that, I don't got much for you on the NFL front. I know. Maybe I'm letting you down. I'll hit you with my fantasy teams. My ESPN league. My Wisconsin league. Four-keeper league. I'm in trouble because now my it's two-quarterback league, Baker Mayfield is now down as well and out for a couple weeks. My first quarterback, Dak Prescott, was out. So I picked up Cooper Rush. So now I'm down 
my back, my like second string quarterback, which is awesome. I'm primed to pick up another win this week. I will stay in like second or third place ish. I don't think I can get past. Not, I mean, it's not the greatest thing. Got a good turn. I finally got McCaffrey and Kamara to put some points together. Got just under 100 points in a league where about 120 is good. I got Kelsey going tonight, so we'll see how that goes. Had a big matchup in one of my Yahoo leagues with the other leader of the division. Was looking good and was riding T. Higgins into the Sunday night game, and obviously I get nothing out of T. Higgins in one of my flex spots. Not much depth on that team. I mean, if not T. Higgins, it would have been, you know, McKissick. I would have had to go with McKissick. But Derrick Henry was kind of carrying me early. Herbert and, you know, A.J. Brown didn't give me a ton. So, again, that Kelsey again. I, I need Kelsey to outscore Daniel Carlson and Patrick Mahomes. And I'm already down two points. So that's going to be a big ask. And then in my final league, my NFL league, my hometown league, I'm in a smidge of trouble. I got a lot out of Mark Andrews last night. I am leading 120 to 97. The problem is my opponent has Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams going tonight. So if we could get a defensive battle in the Vegas-Kansas City game, that would be great. Unfortunately, I don't think that's coming. So I will drop my first game in the NFL League. I am currently leading the league 4-0, but it's fake. I am I'm only 4. Oh, sorry. I am 8th in points scored. Not, I, I, it flipped. I was like, oh, I'm 4th. And then I looked at Yeah, I'm 8th in points scored. I should move up a couple slots, but I'm not real in that league. My best league is that Yahoo league. And if I can get Dak back and my guys performing in my ESPN league, I could be good again there. But who knows? So, all right, that's all I got for NFL stuff this week. I'll have more next week. I'll be back home. I'll be back in the recliner. I'll be watching. I'll be watching the games. The red zone will be on. The Packers and the Jets. Let me just spin through. Let me see if I like any picks here. See what I like here before I let you go. Let's see. Ooh, I like Vikings minus three at Miami. I like that one a lot. 49ers minus five and a half going to Atlanta. I would I would consider dabbling in that one. Bengals minus two at the Saints. I like that one. Giants getting four and a half at home against the Ravens. That's a that's a one to consider. Jags getting two at the Colts. Hammer the Jags. The Colts suck. Rams giving 10. Hosting the Panthers. No Baker. Wow, that stay away from that one. And I'll give you a pick. Eagles, Cowboys. Cowboys cover. Eagles win. See you next week for more NFL talk. Monday night football edition here. And what a game. What an absolute game. The Kansas City Chiefs hold on to beat the Las Vegas Raiders 30-29. to And boy, oh boy, what a finish. You know, first of all, I don't even know where to start. Let's just start at the end. I mean, the throw by Derek Carr down to Devontae Adams was absolutely incredible. 
Every time Devontae Adams starts scoring touchdowns and making big catches, it hurts my soul. Just hurts me deep inside. But the, the, the I can't th- I think the catch is like if the Chiefs just kick the field goal, you're up eight. And then the Raiders have to score and get a two point conversion from the previous touchdown of the Chiefs that put them up that they end up going up seven. And then if you're the Raiders, just tie, I don't know, just tie the game. Like, I, I don't know. I get it. You want to win then. You're on the road, tough environment. But man, it, like the analytics, it's, it's, it's all analytics. There's no doubt about that. And it's, I just sometimes wonder, the Chiefs one really, it really bothers me. Just kick the field goal, the extra point and go up eight. I get the Raiders one. You're in Kansas City. Pat Mahomes is getting the ball back. Like, see if he can get the momentum, score the two-point, and go ahead. Bill Simmons tweeted something funny out. In 2022, an NFL coach would jump out a fourth-floor window because the analytics say it's faster than taking the stairs. The Raiders also went for it fourth and one earlier in the game from, like, their own 40 and hit Devontae Adams deep. I'm much more down with them going for it on fourth and one more often, but I guess now, I guess like to the counterpoint is, you, I mean, if and I'm getting kind of like, well, I'll, I'll take this part of the stats and analytics, but I don't want that part. But it, it, it you know what? It creates for good conversation topics. So then the, uh, the chiefs end up holding on winning the game, you know, Travis Kelsey with just an absolute wild stat line for the night, seven catches, 25 yards, four touchdowns. 3.6 yards a catch. If you just flip that over to Devontae Adams, he had three catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns for 41 yards a catch. So let's talk about the other part of this game. Can we fucking cool it with the roughing the passer? I mean, come on. What was it? Chris Jones? When Chris Jones strip-sacked Derek Carr in the first half, and it's roughing the passer. He comes from behind, tackles him, has the ball going to the ground. He has the ball. He's the ball carrier. He even braces his impact with his left hand. Can't do anything with his right hand because, again, he has the football. Like, what's he supposed to do? Not tackle him? Just let him throw? There were two two uh, sacks earlier in the game where the quarterbacks didn't even remotely come close to going to the ground. I know we're hypersensitive now because of Tua. I I know this is what it's all about. Tom Brady, the flag on Tom Brady this weekend, I finally saw that. But this one, I mean, that may have been the worst call I've ever seen in my life. He strip-sacked him. Had the ball and was charged with roughing the passer. I just don't know what he's supposed to do. And it's got to get fixed. Troy Aikman, not having it. Not having it. He was uh, bitching up in the uh, booth on that one. So, got to do something about that. I know player quarterback safety and they're like, well, you don't want to watch a bunch of backup quarterback. I also don't want to watch the quarterbacks play fucking flag football. And like there, it doesn't feel like there's too many steps until that point. 
But we gotta chill, man. We gotta chill with these things. Alright, that's everything in the NFL world for this week. What's up, Wally? It's MJ. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Excited to listen to the pod. Um, just a quick thought and a quick question for you to maybe answer in the pod this week um, about the NFL. So, I think the Dallas Cowboys have a top five defense, and I think that might be the first time I'm, I'm able to say that in probably since the 90s. Um, uh, their safety play is, is really good, which they neglected for such a long time. Um, and the way they pressure the quarterback really hides some of their weaknesses at linebacker, but they have speed all over. And I, I think if you have a top five, uh, maybe top eight defense, you're a Super Bowl contender. So first question, do you think truly the Cowboys could be a Super Bowl contender? And if you had to rank the top five teams going in after week five, I know there's a Monday night game to go, who would they be? Have a great week, everybody. MJ gone. Okay, MJ. I'm going to – I like this. I like this premise. I'm going to break this down how I see it. I think you're right. I think the Cowboys might have a top five defense. They're obviously, you know, not winning because of quarterback play right now. So, definitely, definitely, I think you have to consider their defense one of the reasons they're playing so great. Micah Parsons is is balling. So, let's talk. You want top five, top five teams in the NFL. So, I think you got to start with the Eagles. You got to give kind of, I don't know if, I, I no, no exact order to this. But let's put the Eagles in there. The Bills got to be in there. Bills may be the best. I think they're like, let's see. Yeah, point to, they're nine. Uh, they have a plus 91%, 91 point point differential. Which is double the next Eagles and 49ers at 47. So I like Eagles, Bills, Chiefs after a big win last night. Where do we go from here? And then you're looking, you know, Cowboys and Giants. What about the Ravens? Yeah, two losses. Who are their two losses? The Bills. Oh, Dolphins in that weird loss. They've looked good, though. I mean, gosh, this is hard. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Eagle, Bill. Let's do it in order. We're going to go Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Ravens, and four. No, 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 no. Not. We're going to go Vikings. I don't know why. I like the Vikings. We're going to put Vikings in the top four. And then at the fifth spot, I got three teams that I'm not sure how to how to do it. 49ers, Cowboys, and Ravens. Ravens have lost a couple games. Cowboys, I think they're going to deserve to be there, but I just want to see them once Dak gets back. I think that'll be, I think that's the real litmus test. Can they kind of, you know, is this kind of like a little Cinderella-y and then when Dak comes back, the slipper comes off and everything kind of gets thrown around. So, but, so, Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Vikings, then a tie for fifth, Cowboys, Ravens, 49ers. Let me know what you think of that. Let's talk about some baseball again. Baseball, two days in a row, or two weeks in a row, rather. Baseball is making the pod. It was a focus last week with Big Ethan Sexton. 
This week, I'm just going to talk about it on my own. Me and baseball, I, I'm not, uh, you know, not quite as big of a baseball moron as I am a hockey moron, as I, you know, previously like to lay out here. But baseball, not, uh, not a whole lot going on up in my head. You know, I'm a, I am a casual fan at best. My, uh, the roommate <clears throat> said to me, she goes, you know, you picked a good time to start watching baseball again now that, you know, Cleveland's back in it. And I was like, yeah, that's not a mistake. I am the most fair weather baseball fan in the world. If Cleveland's good and like playing in the playoffs, that's what gets me interested in baseball. If they're not, I have no interest. I am the biggest fair weather baseball fan in the world. I make no bones about it. It's a 100% true, and I will never deny it. But Cleveland, baby. Cleveland rocks. Let's go. Cleveland. I'm having such a hard time not saying Indians right now. Oh, Cleveland, yeah. The Guardians. The Guardians. 2-0 series uh, win over the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, how about that? I watched a lot. You know, Friday I had it on while I was working. So, you know, baseball is a great thing to have on while you're working because you just kind of pop your head up like every, like, five minutes. And you're like, okay, have I really not missed anything? Good win. You know, Rays get a home run to take the lead. And Jose Ramirez answers right back. Fun time. Quick game. Pitcher's duel. Game just moving quickly. Going through. Getting it done. Loved it. Game two. Saturday. Watching it while I'm kind of cleaning the house. Again, good way to watch a baseball game. And then I probably watched just straight sitting down, watching pitch for pitch. Probably watched from the sixth inning on. Which was a lot of baseball game, it turns out. 15 innings. They go one day, they go to like 2.15 for a game. The next day, it's like five hours. And like I said, I watched like six. I think I started watching like the sixth inning. It was funny because the roommate's like, hey, so uh, how much longer? I was like, oh, it's the seventh inning. It's almost over. And then it just kept going and going and going. And the one single run, 14 and two-thirds score, or not two-thirds. It wasn't that many outs. 14 and a half scoreless innings. And Oscar Gonzalez walks it off. one nothing win and 15 innings propels Cleveland on to see the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees. Yeah, so <clears throat> problems, problems maybe going forward. There were only 22 hits from both teams in that entire two-game series. Grant, just two games. Only 22 hits and only four runs. So I, I don't know. I, I'm... I'm not, again, I'm kind of a moron when it comes to baseball, but I just feel like the Indians who only accounted for 12 of those 22 hits are going to have to come up with some more hitting and some more run production to compete with the Yankees. All I know is they got, those Yankees got that guy, Aaron Judge, and they got that Giancarlo Stanton, too. Aaron Judge, he's kind of good at baseball, I think. 62 home runs he hit this year. 62. All-time AL record. Only the AL record. I know, I know, it's baseball and steroids and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were all roided out and so was Barry Bonds, but guess what? So are the pitchers. And so is everybody else. So I'm not like this dude who's like, we can't erase it, we can't let these guys into the Hall of Fame. The Baseball Hall of Fame writers are the biggest ass clowns ever. Like, the guys that went into the Hall of Fame that didn't go in unanimously, like Ken Griffey Jr., 
It took till Mariano Rivera, who absolutely deserved to go on unanimously, but he was the first. Like, it had to take him, the greatest closer of all time. Babe Ruth didn't go in unanimously. So let's, these jackass Hall of Fame voters for baseball. It's a whole different, whole different topic. Elsewhere, uh, so the Mariners moved on. They came back from, like, a big a big deficit to win their uh, second game in series. Phillies knock out, uh, knock out the Cardinals ending, uh, ending P- Albert Pujols' career who ends, you know, in the top five or 10 in pretty much every offensive category ever. What an incredible player. The, uh, the Padres beat the Mets in three games. I believe they trounced them, uh, last night on Sunday night. So the Mets went ahead and, and Mets y'all. And then who else would have played? Uh, Guardians, Phillies, Mariners, Padres. Yeah, so they all move on. So the the lineup moving forward is uh, the Cleveland Guardians head to New York to start the series against the Yankees. The Phillies play the uh, defending champion Braves. It's a good one in uh, my friend groups. A lot of Braves fans who would hate to lose to the Phillies, and God, I would love to see it. Mariners and Astros and Padres and Dodgers. So I'm excited to see if the Guardians can go uh, ruin the Yankees' day. Just put a, you know... Making me a big old shit burger, as as my man Lou Brown once said. So I've enjoyed baseball. I will see how much more I enjoy it with uh, the Guardians start losing. So, like I said, biggest fair weather fan in the world here. Big Indians fan from you know 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. Not much in 19 and 20 and 21. And hey, what do you know? I'm back. So we'll see how much longer I enjoy it if the uh, if the Guardians aren't involved in it. I, I did see this was great. Jose Ramirez has a chain with a picture of him wearing a chain. That dude is incredible. Love it. Best player in the league. Maybe not, but Aaron Judge might be. And maybe Shohei Itani and Mike Trout, but I still think he's the best. He's the best in my eyes. All right, we'll be back with some more baseball next week. Time to talk some college football again this week. Let's start right off with Clarkie's Corner. Wasn't a good week for us, or Clarkie. I rode Clarkie on three games. I went against him on one, and that was the only win I had. It was just that one single game. Uh, 0-4 for Clarkie this week. 1-3 for your man, Ole Walls. Just going to double-check my math here. I believe that moves Clarkie to 14-3-1 on the season. Yes, and Old Walls goes to 17-10-1, so... Uh, still both above 500. Clarky had a loss with Michigan, who were giving 22 and won by 21. He had BYU getting four and losing by eight. He liked Auburn getting 29 and a half and losing by 32. And then I actually took Georgia there to cover that. I think Georgia's awesome, so I'm taking them if the spread's under 35. And then he liked FIU to win over UConn. That's the only one that he wasn't close in. That was a, a 33-12 victory for UConn. So 0-4 for Clarky, 1-3 for Old Walls, 14-3-1, 17-10-1. This week, he's told me redemption picks this week. He likes North Carolina State getting 3.5 versus Syracuse in Syracuse. He likes Kentucky getting 7, heading to Mississippi State. He likes Miami, Ohio, minus six and a half against Bowling Green and some action. And then out, out on the West Coast, he likes Washington State to win over Oregon State at Oregon State. 
I am also, I won't pick against the upset pick because we're not doing a spread there. So I'm going to roll with him on all three. Uh, uh, three of the four, rather. I'm going to take Cuse at home, giving three and a half, three and a half, not three and a house. They're going to be in the loud house, you know, the carrier dome or whatever the hell they call that thing now. Uh, so I'll go Syracuse. I'll ride with them on Kentucky, Miami of Ohio, and Washington State. Again, this is much like the NFL. I didn't watch much football. I was watching baseball on Saturday for the most part. So, you know, a couple of things that, you know, just saw in passing or, or caught very, you know, small snippets of the games. TCU ruins game day in Kansas. You know, the kind of fairy tale ride for uh, for Kansas is, you know, not over, but gets a gets a little bit of a pothole, a little bit of a pothole in the street. Tennessee passes the test big time at LSU in Death Valley. Big win for the Volunteers. They have a huge game coming up. And I mean huge game. We'll get there. And Georgia, we talked about Georgia. They they really put it on Auburn, beat them forty two to ten, and you know just look like the best team in the, in the country, week in and week out. They jump up to number one this week. And Alabama, even though they had a tight game against Texas A and M, falls two spots down to number three. Ohio State jumps them. Ohio State is going to be off this week, so there are some big matchups. Big matchups coming this week. Alabama at Tennessee. Alabama, seven and a half point road favorites heading to Rocky Top. I think it's, are they Rocky Top? Yeah, they're Rocky Top. Yeah. So big game. We'll see if how for real Tennessee is. You know, if they can even, you know, we'll see. Can they stay in it? Is Alabama that good? Just, just to keep an eye on them, Georgia's got Vanderbilt. They're giving 38. I said if you'd give them anything less, they have to give anything less than 35. Man, that's hovering around that number. Do you trust Vanderbilt to keep it within six touchdowns? Very interesting. Very interesting. But the other big games, North Carolina State, Syracuse. We talked about this back in Clarkie's Corner. 15 and 18 there. Kind of a big game for the, you know, for the ACC. They're both in the Atlantic. I'm not. I always forget what the how those standings break out in the ACC. But yeah, that's a big game up in Syracuse. Probably one of the bigger games that the the Carrier Dome has hosted in a while. Where you know the Orange aren't a you know significant underdog. You know when they face Clemson and and things like that. So very interesting game there. And then you know before we get to the one I'm the most surf, surf, most interested in. Mississippi State and Kentucky, a big game down in the, a big game down in the SEC. Just kind of figure some things out there. Okay, so Clemson, Syracuse, and NC State all in the ACC Atlantic. I believe NC State has already lost to Clemson, so this would be huge for them if they need to, if they want to stay alive. And then you know Syracuse has to stay unbeaten and then hopefully beat Clemson. So big games. And then, of course, the big one in my house, heading to the big house, the Penn State Nittany Lions, the number 10-ranked team in the nation, head to Michigan, number 5. Can Penn State play with the big boys? And the answer for the past few years has always been no. It's always been no. You know, outside of a fluke, you know, year here or there, they're not beating the teams they need to, especially on the road. And I know that's hard to do in college football. 
But they don't beat Iowa on the road when they need to. They don't ever beat Ohio State. They don't beat Michigan when Michigan's good. The, the, if you're going to be somebody, now's the time. Now's the time to be somebody, Penn State. It's a noon game. Not that night games are a huge thing at Michigan anyway. But it's a noon game. You can get out there, maybe catch them sleeping, maybe show up, be ready to play. Can James Franklin get his team ready to play? And it's been kind of the same song and dance in the past few years outside of the last couple, which have been pretty much, you know, last year was a good example of it, but the year before was an anomaly. They flip-flopped the way it usually goes. Get out, beat up on the, the cupcakes, get a couple, you know, easier Big Ten wins. And then there's this stretch in the schedule where it's Michigan and Ohio State are always there and Michigan State's at the back end. Then, you know, there's a Minnesota and Iowa. Somebody else kind of tossed in there. And, you know, they go from being ranked number fourth in the country and then they're not, they don't even finish the year ranked or they finish at like 17th. It's time to be somebody. It's now or never. This is the, this is your moment. Michigan is a team that I think they can hang with if they play a, they got to play a damn good football game. Maybe perfect. They ain't hanging with Ohio State this year. I have no, unless, I mean, unless they just get absolute, luckier than uh, they can all get out. But that game, they're going to put that game at noon because it's going to be on Fox. So they're not getting the benefit of the whiteout, which is going to be next week with Minnesota. So this is it, man. Penn State's got to figure it out. They got to be somebody. No more wallowing around at 8-4. and four. Like, come on. I know Penn State's not going to compete for national titles every year, but God damn, just compete in the Big Ten. And I know it's a tall ask against Ohio State, but be better than Michigan. I guess that's where I'm going. Be better than Michigan. I'm just asking for you to be second best. That's all I'm asking for. So we'll see. Let me see what the line is on that. Let's see what the line is here before I let you go. Uh, Michigan giving seven at home. Lay the points. It's going to be a fucking bloodbath. Who are we kidding? We'll talk about it next week. Some passing thoughts now. Stumbled across a Brad Paisley song, Waiting on a Woman, the other day. And it got me thinking about Brad Paisley. He had some absolute bangers from like 2003 to like 2008. He was like, he was huge. Like, if you just look at his stuff, like, Whiskey Lullaby, Waiting on a Woman, Where and I Get Where I'm Going, Alcohol, Ticks. I'm still a guy, letter to me. I mean, just great stuff. He was just really hot for like five years. Like, was just the dude. I don't know. Just made, I heard that song. I was like, I haven't listened to Brad Paisley in years. But he had some really good songs. Just kind of fell off the face of the earth. At least as far as I, I'm concerned. I, I don't see much of him. Maybe he's still out there killing it. Who knows? Hopefully. So a funny ass tweet. So, uh,. I hope this is real. I hope someone actually made this mistake and wasn't just fucking around. Because it's awesome if it really did. So, Ethel. Ethel Day Lily is the is the uh, tag. The, the, uh, the handle, rather, not the tag. She tweeted at the Harrisburg Senators. Want to prevent, all caps, by the way. Want to prevent voter fraud. Make them give us a receipt for our ballot or a copy of the ballot after it went through the machine. On mail-in ballots, send a receipt through the mail, and then it cuts off. And the Harrisburg Senators respond, Ma'am, we are a baseball team. 
I thought that was so fucking funny. I don't know if... I hope it's real. It's probably fake. Like, it's probably staged. But my god, it would be awesome if someone was too stupid to fucking know that the Harrisburg Senators were a minor league baseball team. Not a good sign about the people in our country who vote for things on either side of the aisle. There are some dumb people in this country. Hopefully, most of them are are smarter than that. Uh, Ooh, I saw another meme. Showering at night for showering in the morning, and then like the pill it had like the pills, and it it's it was a red pill for showering at night or a blue pill for showering in the morning, and it was like the smart people, and he was touching the red pills like a pile of red pills. I've always been a morning shower person. Like it gets you, you know, you got to start the day clean. You can't like shower at night and then wake up and not have showered and like. You know, depending on how long it's been, sometimes maybe 10, 12 hours, 8 hours, 6 hours minimum. Like, you got to shower in the morning, man. I mean, I get it if you've done something, you know, dirty at work. Hey, maybe, you know, if people, I'll tell you this, when I worked on the grounds crew my uh, in my days in college, worked outside getting dirty, I showered after work and then not before, so that makes sense. But, you know, I think, you know, so I guess it depends on your situation. If you're going to get up and you're going to sweat and you're going to get dirty and, you know, do that at work, maybe the shower at night's the way to go. I just like the shower in the morning to wake up, feel my, you know, get myself going, loosen the body. You know, I don't know, maybe just me. Got my Packers season tickets, uh, postcard updating uh, my stance. I moved up um, a little over 2,000 spots this year. 2,000 spots. I'm up to 120,424th. So, you know, if I keep moving up two spots, 2,000 spots, I'll get there in, you know, about 60 years, be 91, and, uh, you know, it'll be great. I'll be a 91-year-old. The NFL will probably cease to exist for a couple years before then, but, you know, who knows? Funny, uh, I one of my buddies, everybody knows Big Cat Bill Gardner, the Packer, fellow Packer fan. He, tweeted, he texted to our uh, group chat the other day. I forget what national day it was. Maybe it was like National Boyfriend Day or some shit like that. He's like, I'm fucking over National Whatever Day. I thought it was so funny. I told him, I'm like, I'm stealing this for the pod. Because it's funny. It's like every day. Like, it's not every day. It's like four or five days a month. There's some national day. And every time you look on Instagram or Facebook, like somebody's posting about it. It's like National Sons Day, National Daughters Day, National Boyfriend Day, National Pet Day, National Dog Day, National Cat. It's like, holy fuck. Who comes up with all these national days? Like if you Google what is today's national day, it comes up with the most random shit you've ever seen. Like, let's see. What is today's national day? National Bow Day? National Day calendar. Oh, that was... it's Well, it's Squirrel Awareness Month, apparently. I mean, I don't know how much we can trust this. General Pulaski Memorial Day, National Coming Out Day, International Day of the Girl Child, National Sausage Pizza Day. See what national days are tomorrow. National Farmers Day, National Free Thought Day. National Gumbo Day, National Savings, National Vermont Day, National Bring Your Teddy Bear to Work Slash School Day, National Curves Day, National Emergency Nurses Day, National Stop Bullying, National Take Your Parents, well that's not a bad one, Take Your Parents to Lunch, but Jesus, 
There were 17, it was 17 national days today, tomorrow. Holy Christ. So, also, while we're talking about the big cat, I'm pretty sure he cheats at Madden. He's a cheater. Started a uh, online Madden franchise with a bunch of friends. He's in it. He won. I think he's got the cheat codes on. You don't know. We have to start an investigation. So I thought about this playing, uh, watching baseball the other day. Remember back in the day playing wiffle ball or baseball? And you never had enough guys. Like, you never had 20 guys to fi- fill a, a baseball team. So you'd use uh, ghost runners, ghosties. Ooh, ghosty on second, ghosty on third. And then so you could somebody else could come back up and hit. Because you're playing with, like, eight guys. You got, like, two guys in the outfield, one guy pitching, whoever's catching. Whoever's batting is like the de facto catcher, too. I always thought that was... It just came to my mind. Random thought. Ooh. Ooh. Anybody see Draymond? Draymond fucking smoke Jordan Poole. Whew. So what? I think by now he's reported that he's stepping away from the team. So it means he'll probably just sit out preseason and come back for the regular season. But man, what a fucking KO. And you wonder if the video hadn't come out, if there, if that would, you never know what would have happened. But yeah, so he smoked him. Draymond's an interesting story, man. Like he, you know what you got him for. Like he's there to be the asshole, but like, man, is he? He's being the asshole in practice too. So it's you wonder, like, how did those two coexist? Like, do they just ship Jordan Poole? Do they try and trade him right away? I mean, I haven't followed it to see what anybody said. I just saw the video, and I was like, holy shit. A little out of line by Draymond, I think. I mean, he went over and got in Jordan Poole's face. And then, you know, like, chest bumped him, and Jordan Poole, like, shoved him away, and then was, like, backing up. And then Draymond just dropped the hammer. It was wild how little anybody else was like, hey, knock it off. They were obviously watching somebody speak to them. Like, I wonder if Kerr was, like, telling them something. Because everybody else had their backs to it. Like, they had to have heard it. And there was a coach right there who was kind of like, uh. You had to have thought the coach would have kind of jumped in with the push. But no, he just kind of stood there and let Draymond fucking go ham. So, interesting to see how that'll all play out. Uh, A couple of news and notes from some other sports things. My man, the Electric Factory, Tom Kim. He picks up a victory at the Shriners after uh, Patrick Cantlay makes a triple on the 72nd hole, hit it in a uh, like a bush or something off the tee, and then tried to get it out to get on the green and make par, which he was right about. He needed to make par to, to send it to the playoff. Ends up making triple, couldn't get it out of the bush, and then God knows what else happened there. Um, allegedly, Tyson Fury, I, I saw it reported last night, is going to fight Derek Chisora in a who-gives-a-fuck kind of fight. I hope they lose a ton of money on that, because just fight real people, or fucking actually retire. Um, Ooh, Hot D, Hot D, House of the Dragon. We're, we're heading to the ninth episode. The ninth episode, usually good ones. I've enjoyed the show so far. It's The pacing's been a smidge choppy, I think. Like, you think it's kind of speeding up, and then it'll kind of slow back down, but, but you know... We're getting to, to episode nine as Game of Thrones episode nines have usually been pretty crazy. I don't know if they'll stick to that formula or they'll kind of like juke us and then make it a 10th episode big, but it's usually like the second to last episode of the season is usually the big one. At least that's all they've always done it. Played 
Mammoth Dunes at Sand Valley this weekend. That's why I saw no football. That place, Sand Valley Golf Resort up in Wisconsin, is so awesome. It's like such a great like little setup. It's in the middle of nowhere, owned by the same guy who owns Bandon Dunes and what is the one in there's one in Canada on the east coast. I can't think of it. But they're all the same setup. They're like these kind of remote locations with like this good land to be shaped. So Bana Dunes obviously is on the Pacific Ocean. The one in Newfoundland, Canada, I think it's in Newfoundland, is on the Atlantic Ocean. Now the one in Wisconsin is on like this sandy, you know, everywhere you pull up dirt, it's sand under. So they've got these big, you know, sand bounds, mammoth dunes, dunes of sand. And it's just, I played Sand Valley a few years ago. Actually, we got left on the course in the middle of a thunderstorm, and no one came out and got us for an hour. Uh, my brother and I were standing in a shed. Shed's a very, very interesting term to use because it's really, it was four posts and a metal roof in a thunder and lightning storm that we were standing out there just getting peppered. So they just forgot to come get us. We had to call in like three times. They finally showed up in a pickup truck to come get us. So we had free rounds go back. So went back up with some buddies. Uh, Zach Place, you'll remember him from the NCAA tournament uh, betting stuff. He, uh, I beat him, you know, handedly, handedly beat Zach Place. But yeah, we played Mammoth Dunes. I'd played Sand Valley before, and then we played the Sandbox. Just fun, fun course to play. Like cool, you know. There's no carts up there, so it's like the you know walking only kind of the purest sense of golf. There's nothing going on, you know. There's no. It, they've got you know a clubhouse, but it's not this like glammy, glitzy resort. Like, you just show up, play some golf. There's cabins to stay in. They look sweet. It's just a cool place. I had a blast playing. I had I only played golf once since uh, back at the TCC invite. So it was an it was a nice way to end the golf season. Uh, shot a nice 75. Made like a 70 footer for Eagle on the 18th. So we played. So then we went and played the par three, the sandbox. And one of the guys playing with us was like, no, no hole in ones don't count here. So I've got you know an interesting poll to the, the to the listeners. Does a hole in one on a par three count? One of the pe- groups playing behind us made one on the first hole, and holy shit, they went absolutely ape shit. Boomer weighing in. Hole in one on the par three, do they count? He doesn't seem to think so. So, so yeah, those guys went ape shit. Okay, we're coming, buddy. We'll, we'll wrap this up so we can get Boomer out and get him walked this morning. All right, closing time. Let's wrap this thing up and head for the hills. Thank you guys, as always. I, I appreciate the support. It's always been a little mind-blowing to me that I've gotten people to actually listen to this. So thank you guys. Hope you're having a good time listening. I'm having a good time doing it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We will be back next week. You know, playoff baseball, football's going, hockey's starting. It's good things are coming your way. So really excited to keep going with this. We're only going to be, uh, you know, 12 episodes from from 52 from a year almost getting to the you know the year the year anniversary so really excited so we'll see you again next week thank you to everybody thank you to the gordon brothers t-man and h-man coming on to uh, educate me a little bit about some hockey so really appreciate everybody until next week peace